Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This is a second of two shows on work and intimacy and the effect one has on the other. Culturally, what we see as really important is productivity, status, position, achievement. Women are so achievement-focused. And my feeling is you have to decide, how do you want to live your life? Coming up, the rest of my conversation with sexuality counsellor and nurse midwife, Evelyn Rash. Since I released the first of these two shows, I've heard from a few listeners, especially on that point where Evelyn said she'd get pushback, where she advised women to start having children in their 20s. One 25-year-old listener said, look, I'm in law school. I'm so busy. I don't even have time to have a boyfriend. She said, also, I really believe your 20s are about you and finding out who you are and what you want. Then another woman wrote to me, she's 31, and she said, I'm single, and I basically don't have an intimate life at the moment. And now, thanks to what your guest said, I'm worried about having a high-risk pregnancy. Now, when I was 31, I didn't have an intimate life either. And I often felt, actually, in these periods of my life where I was single, living in New York, that I lived in a culture that glorified sex, and I wasn't part of that. And it didn't always feel very good. I definitely felt I was swimming against the tide. So these two shows with Evelyn aren't meant to be shaming single people. They are aimed at people in longer term relationships. But I figured they were worth putting out for everyone because even if you're not in a relationship now, you probably will be at some point in the future. And here's something else I heard from a different listener. She wrote after the very first show I did with Evelyn a few years ago, and she said, I liked hearing that show, but you said absolutely nothing about gay relationships. She said, I'm gay, and I can tell you when you get two women together, two women who are focused on doing everything for everyone else, your sex life can suffer. I asked Evelyn to talk about this. Well, this is handy because, you know, I am a lesbian, and I have been with my same-sex partner for 23 years. I think the woman that wrote to you and said, you know, how is this different with two women? I think that there's a hot mess component to this for precisely the reasons that she's brought up to you, which is that generally speaking, you know, you've got women who are who are dedicated to family and to work and to advocating for everyone in their family and trying to do everything. We both happen to have children that we brought into our marriage, and we now have three granddaughters from my spouse's oldest son. And so now, I mean, it's funny that we're doing this interview today because just this past weekend, the entire tribe was here. And what were the two of us doing? We were concentrating and focusing on having everything perfect for everyone there. 
And then we had to start the work week yesterday. And the two of us were like limp rags and trying the entire weekend to say, okay, look, it's not all on our shoulders. These kids are all grown up now. You know, the little kids, of course, aren't, but let them take over more of this. And it was not very successful because there we were making meals for 12 people, making sure that there was something that everyone was going to enjoy, grocery shopping at the end of our work days. It, it was insane. And by the time we fell into bed, we were just spent, absolutely spent. And we had this whole tribe of, you know, perfectly competent adults who could have taken more of that on. But there's this way as mothers and as women that we assumed it. I asked her if there were any other things that are specific to gay couples. And she said, you know, people who are married or partnered, they tend to have a lot of the same issues, regardless of their sexuality. She sees about 80% heterosexual couples, 20% gay couples. I wondered what happens to the dynamic in a same-sex female couple if one woman stays home with children and the other goes out to work. But Evelyn says she doesn't see that much. I see less and less of that because so many families can't survive on one income. And so I have very few people where either member of the couple is at home full time. And what I do see is that actually it's more often men that are staying home full time, taking care of children, and women who are sole breadwinners and still having to do so much work at home because the way that men take care of children isn't the way that women take care of children. And nine times out of ten, women that are powerhouses in the workforce are going to come in and be powerhouses at home and not let go of a lot of that responsibility. They want it to be done their way. And so this creates a whole new set of problems and in terms of intimacy also. Uh, Well, yeah, in terms of intimacy, in what way? Well, there's an interesting thing that started to happen in my practice with the couples that I work with, and that is that women who are very competent and very high-level professional women start to feel resentful of men that are staying home and doing more female traditional things because they want to come home and they want their male partner to act and be more traditionally male. And so I'll give you an example. Women will say to me, I come home, I make all the decisions, I pay all the bills, we're going to go out to dinner, and I say, where are we going? And he'll say, well, where would you like to go? Why can't he just sometimes take charge of that and say, meet me at thus and such a restaurant at 7 p.m., and that's that, and then I can just surrender. But I feel like I'm in charge of everything, and I want him to stay in a more masculine energy, linear thinking place. He's become so feminine, I can't stand it. And then I start to laugh because I'm thinking, well, but this is the arrangement that you made, and it doesn't engender him with a lot of masculine energy. Well, then he should find it somewhere. It's fascinating what's going on now with more and more women who are, you know, if if somebody is a sole wage earner, it's not that uncommon sometimes that it's the mother in the family or the wife in the family. And then men are sort of in this weird place and they feel kind of emasculated. This is what men have said to me. And the impact that it's having is 
really interesting. The impact it's having on sex is very complex. She says the women want a traditional chest-thumping mate to pop up at their desire, which tends not to happen. Meanwhile, she says the guys often wonder what exactly their wife wants. Now, I imagine this is not the case in every relationship where the woman is the sole wage earner in a heterosexual couple, but those people aren't the ones calling Evelyn. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In the first show I did with Evelyn three years ago, she focused quite a bit on the role children play in relationships. And I should just say here, she says she doesn't just see couples with children. So it's not children who, you know, drive your sex life into abeyance. She says it really is prioritizing that aspect of your relationship. But she says when there are children involved, things can get a lot more complicated And if you remember in that very first show I did with Evelyn a few years ago, I mentioned that she trained her daughter when she was 10 to do her own laundry. This was so Evelyn wasn't so overwhelmed between work and home. She reasoned if her daughter could operate a computer, she could operate a washing machine. This gave Evelyn a bit more freedom from housework, more time with her spouse. She says one big problem with this whole work-family dynamic is that too many women put their kids before their partners. They do too much for them. As you heard earlier, Evelyn isn't totally immune from this even now. They worry about what will happen if the kids get less attention. Well, I don't think that it's a good idea to always put your partner first. I would have to say that I do think it is a good idea to put your partner first more times than to put your children first because children grow up and they leave. And what we want for our children is we want them to have marriages where their partner loves them a lot and keeps them in mind as being a very important thing, perhaps the most important thing more of the time. And this is not to say when children are struggling or when they're sick or something like that, but You know, to say to your children, we're going to have dinner on our own. You're going to have dinner at 5.30, and your father and I or whatever are going to have dinner at 7, and we eat on our own, and you're not invited is not a mean thing. And I'm not saying that people need to do that every single night, but this this idea that families have to be pods, you know, that are moving together at all times, and parents don't take more time to themselves – I have many, many couples who come in in crisis, and one of the first things I say to them was, when was the last time that the two of you went away on your own? And they'll look at me and they'll say, oh, well, I mean, before the kids were born. How old are your children? Well, 8 and 10 and 11 and a half. And I'm thinking, well, no wonder you're in crisis. I mean, the two of you are, are managers. You're family managers. You're not lovers anymore. So this is a big problem for people, and they have some terror around leaving their children because their children might get upset. Well, I mean, kids get upset. But what I've experienced 
is that the thing that they get the most upset about and they become the most symptomatic over is when they can sense vibrationally that their parents are not a united front. Because the fact of the matter is that parents are masters of their universe. And if there's dissension between the parents, the children will get symptomatic. So when parents say, go away, I want your mother all to myself, or I want your father all to myself, even if kids protest in the beginning, it's very reassuring to them because their parents are not at odds with one another. And that's what people have to understand is that parents being really unified, really together, really loving one another, and expressing their exclusivity at the expense of children on some sort of regular and frequent basis actually is in their children's better interest. And this is something that's very hard to grasp. And on that same theme of putting your partner first, here's a statistic I got from Elevate, the women's networking group. Maybe some of you are members as well and saw this. In one of their recent surveys, they asked which relationships their members spent the most time nurturing. 28% said it was relationships with their peers. 25% said it was relationships with clients. 11% said it was relationships with their partners. Well, at least partners came before bosses, they got 10%. But still, 11% for partners? It gives you an idea of how easy it is for us to take that particular relationship for granted. Switching tack, because I want to talk about you, (laughs) because you wrote a really interesting email, and it's a while ago now, probably at least a year after I interviewed you the first time, essentially saying, I have not been taking my own medicine And I am now living in a sexual Sahara and I need to change this. And I'd like you to talk about what happened and how did things play out? Well, I think, you know, because we know one another and because I'm not shy about anything, I'm perfectly comfortable with you asking such a specific and pointed question. And the best way I can say it to you or answer answer this for you is to say it is an ongoing work in progress and that I'm seeing that I am still pushing against a tide of that sexual Sahara and having to remind myself every single day, okay, look at, look at the calendar. When was the last time you had sex? And people will say to me, that is so contrived. I can't even imagine you put on your calendar when you were intimate with your spouse. And I say, yeah, because time can go by and both of us feel exhausted but as we become increasingly estranged from one of each from one another in that intimate realm that we only share with each other it starts to feel harder and harder to get back there and so for me i do keep a calendar i have a i call it my sex hearts calendar and when we're intimate i put these red heart stickers on there so that when i'm going through my calendar i can see oh lord Five weeks, this isn't okay. It's not okay based on my own value system. What, where, can I, where can I just let something go and say, no, I, I don't want to do that right now. I want to be with my spouse. So it's an ongoing work in progress, and it's, it's very, very challenging, and it's especially challenging because of my fatigue level because at 57, I, I don't have the same stamina that I used to. And, of course, many of us start to face physical challenges that interfere with being sexually active. You know, we have a bad knee, we have a new hip, we have, I don't know. I mean, there are a million things, but it's really the fatigue more than anything. 
And so how do you work that into your lives? You were talking about, in, quite, in some detail in that email, just about how grueling, you know, mentally grueling your job can be. Yeah, I, you know, I come home and I'm non-compass mentis and I can just sit there sometimes and just stare out my window and I live in a rural area, it's very beautiful, I have a 20-mile view from my living room and sometimes I'll just sit and stare and I'm so grateful not to have to communicate with anyone through speech or anything else because I've just been doing that all day. On average, I see 20, 22 people a day, very complex patients. I often work a 12-hour day and and I, I feel um, that also in healthcare, you take a lot of that work home with you. You worry about people. You want to make sure they're okay. Um, you try to come up with plans that might suit them better in terms of their care. So there's a mental burden that I know others in my position feel as well. And that's, speaking of dusting things off, that needs to be dusted away and tidied up before I can enter into a realm that is so specific to my marriage and so specific to one person, something I share with just one other person. So there's a kind of mental clarity that I think we need in order to be focused on our sexuality. And I still find myself working on it. My spouse feels the same way. We, the one thing that I believe saves us is that we talk about this all the time. Even if we're talking about how we haven't had sex in four weeks. We're talking about it. And we make an effort to be loving and affectionate. And not, not in, you know, sort of this communal um, roommate sort of way, the kind of way that you would only be with a partner, kissing one another on our lips, not on just our cheeks, you know, or the top of our head when we're on our way to bed because we're so tired, that kind of thing. I mean, there are certain things that are reserved for my married life that I don't share with anyone else and I focus on those even when sexuality feels like it's so subterranean because of my workload. Well yeah, it was it was poignant getting that email because you this is what you talk about all the time and certainly in when you're working with clients um on their sex lives and it's what we talked about in our first show and you were saying you have to focus on pleasure it's a really important part of life I was going to ask you if you'd had your coffee this morning (laughs) sitting down looking at the view Um, but you also said that your spouse she told you she was going to rat you out to your public (laughs) yes well that still is a threat periodically especially because I still send out my my e-blast um, probably every five weeks or so. And, you know, I'm focused on short-form writing. I really appreciate being able to do something in 450 words or less that's pithy and has, a, you know, a lilt to it. So sometimes she'll say to me, um, you know, really, I, how honest are you going to be with them? It's been five weeks, and you're going to be writing something about sex as if you're an expert. You know, so we have this humor that goes back and forth between us, and sometimes she'll say to me, okay, so if you're going to work on this email, we better have sex pretty soon because you're not going to have anything to write about or you're not going to make any sense. <laughs> and it's true. You know, I, I pull a lot of content from the experience of having a loving marriage and being sexually alive and alert and and definitely the pleasure piece, you know, and, and that experience of my coffee every morning, not in a in a paper cup, not while I'm driving, 
but sitting and having it in a real ceramic mug, you know, that transubstantiation, I realize this is not the body and blood of Christ, but it is something important that makes me feel alert and alive and that I really cherish every single day. And so there are still those rules around pleasurable living. And when I start to feel like I've had no pleasure all day long, then I I absolutely dial back and find a way to get it because it helps me keep going. And for more on our relationship with pleasure, including Evelyn's coffee habit, go back to show number 19 when I first met her. But just going back to that whole idea of needing to make time for sex in your schedule and how hard it can feel to do that. I was thinking about this in terms of the, you know, the busyness factor, but I don't know if it's the same with men, but especially with women, your brain is always buzzing with all those things you have to do. And, um, and I don't know if I I want to say this in my own podcast, but, but sometimes, sometimes I have had, like, if, if you have sex in the morning before work, you risk being late for work. And you're thinking, okay, I'm probably going to be late, but it would be really nice to do this now. But which is more important, having sex, you know, being with my partner or being on time? And you are a bit late, but it's probably a good reminder that you need to prioritize sex sometimes if you want to have a happy relationship. Yes, that's true. I mean, people often say to me, well, you know, I want it to be spontaneous and I want it to flow. Well, it doesn't. There's not really anything that's spontaneous. I mean, once in a while we might you know, start kissing and then move into something, you know, more intimate than that. But generally speaking, there's not too much spontaneity in most people's lives, even when they're on vacation. You know, there's some planning that goes on. Um, Even if they just say, let's take the morning and just see where it leads us. Okay, well, you know, I guess we could call that spontaneous. But it takes a lot of energy to be orgasmic. Uh, It takes a lot of energy to stay focused. And with women's minds being as busy as they are and multitasking, you have to do this meditation exercise. You know, women will say, I mean, we're we're starting to have sex, and then I'm thinking about, oh, God, did I write the bus note for the kids? Or, you know, oh, no, I left my cashmere sweaters in the wash. Or I forgot to send that email, or I need to finish that report. And I say, yep, that happens. That's a mind. This is what our minds do. And so when that does happen, I say to them, look, there's the meditation technique that when, you know, thoughts come into your mind, you just, you know, you think about them and then you drop them. Or you think about them as a hot potato. You've grabbed the potato in your hands. It's hot. You just open your hand and let it go. And then you refocus back to where you are. There's no crime about, you know, kissing your partner or touching your genitals or their genitals and thinking about um, your cashmere sweaters in the wash. You don't have to admit those things. I mean, you can recognize them. They can be kind of comical, but just, you know, oh, well, I'll get them later. You know, it's, this is what minds do. And this whole idea that, you know, with a meditation practice, for example, that you're going to clear your mind completely, um, that doesn't happen. It's not the end of the world when those things happen, and you just keep going. You just keep having sex. Okay. Finally, I told Evelyn about something that happened around the first time I spoke to her three years ago. I'd written a blog post that I posted on the Broad Experience site. Related to my feeling that whenever I read these articles about well-known women or very successful working women, as I said to you at the time, 
I always wonder, you know, are they having sex? Because they seem to have these perfect lives and they're checking their email after they put their kids to bed and that's how they manage everything. And I think, A, God, this sounds exhausting. And B, yeah, I'm a nosy person. I can't help wondering about this <laughs> aspect of their life that, of course, is never mentioned in, you know, a Fortune magazine article. Right. But um, when I, I, I tweeted this blog post about it and somebody on Twitter got very angry and essentially accused me of blaming women, you know, blaming women for one more thing that they weren't doing. And, you know, it was it was interesting. It was it was an angry response suggesting that to talk about, you know, needing to have sex was kind of anti-women. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think that if somebody's attached to that concept of objectifying women, I mean, then we have to look at that. Or if they if they feel that way about being sexual, that it's not a, it's not a health practice, then I mean, I you know, I work with them from that point, and that's fine. I mean, I don't have this penchant for making sure that people are sexually active on some sort of schedule. But what I get disturbed about is when people say. I miss having sex. I don't know why I feel so far away from it. Help me get closer to it. And, you know, personally, from doing this work for such a long time and with many high-powered women that, you know, have been featured in those magazines, the answer to your question is no, they are not having sex. They aren't because they're spending time doing a million other things and they don't have the energy for it and because they don't see it as important. And part of why they don't is because, Again, culturally, what we see as really important is productivity, status, position, money, achievement. Women are so achievement-focused. And my feeling is you have to decide, how do you want to live your life? What's going to be important? Yes, it's important to live a life that is intellectually satisfying and where you're contributing to the world. However, you know, your work is not going to miss you if something happens, but your spouse will and your family will. Your spouse, their life will be forever changed because there will never be another you. Evelyn Rash. You can check out her site at evelynrash.com. She's the author of the books Women, Sex, Power and Pleasure and The Secret Lives of Teen Girls. She also does counseling sessions via Skype. That's the broad experience for this time. Two shows in a row about sex, you're probably dying for a rest and you'll get one because I need a bit of time before I can put some new shows together so there'll be a longer than usual break before the next one in July. If you like what you hear on the show, please consider kicking in a few bucks to support my work. Some of you do that already and I'm very grateful. If you can part with $50, you will get the official Broad Experience t-shirt. You can see a photo of that on the site under the support tab. And if you can't give, just rate the show and write a review on iTunes. It's quick and easy, and it helps the broad experience get noticed. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. See you in a few weeks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 